we spoke last week about what women really want. And today we're going to talk about why purity, the importance of understanding God's heart for purity in relationships. And so whether you're single or married here, we, we assume that there are three categories. Single in a pre-marriage relationship or married, or, well, actually there's a fourth, or divorced, post-marriage, etc. But we all have come from different environments. Some of us have blown it and made mistakes. Nothing of what we're sharing in this series is to bring shame. Nothing of what we're sharing is to say, well, you didn't do it right. What we're sharing is to give principles so that we don't make the same mistakes again. So we can do better in the future. All of us have made mistakes. And so as we share through this, don't let the enemy lie to you and say, well, you didn't do this well. Let the, let the Lord come and speak to your soul and heal and restore areas where the enemy has stolen, where there have been things that have damaged this area in your life. We trust in God for complete and total restoration. Amen? So we have an incredible panel. I'm going to introduce them. Why don't our panelists please come up and take a seat? So we have some incredible experts. This is our expert panel of witnesses. Uh, David and Caroline Webb have been pastors in this church for many, many years, 15 years with us, originally from the USA. They were missionaries in Kenya for a very long time, and they have an incredible heart for family. They actually initially came really looking to look after the orphans and the widows, and they have set up our Havens Project. They, are, they really are the arm of compassion for his people, Joburg, and everything that we do, and I think, yeah, we should honor them for that. They, they just exude healthy marriage, healthy family. If you know their children, I mean, their children are all grown up and scattered throughout the world and doing amazing things, but the, the life and character in their children just speaks volumes about you guys, and so thank you for being with us today. Then we have Martin, who is a famous, well-known musician, author, yes, bro, minister, and uh, in fact, you can buy, have you got your books here, Martin? Right, so if you want to approach Martin, buy his book after, after church. Uh, well done, bro. It's good to have a famous author in our midst. <laughs> Musa is one of our campus leaders on Vits, which is probably our most thriving uh, congregation in the city. And, and Musa, as someone, really seriously, we have the most incredible leadership team. There a lot of people come to their leadership team to find out how to build leadership team because you guys just do such a good job. And Musa, having been a, a single leading lady there, working with all of these single students and their issues, is very, very equipped to answer some of the questions that some of you other single peeps and ladies may be having. And then Pastor Samantha, that has, uh, most of you know her, she's been with us for a long time. She actually started out 92 with us, uh, has been on journeys and came back again. And uh, so Pastor Sam heads up our counseling pastoral ministry. And she really has worked with a lot of people whose souls have been damaged in this area and how to restore them. And she's really good at that. So if some of you ladies have been through stuff that you need ministry for, she and her trained people are really well equipped for that and have learned some things in the process. So we have a great panel of people. Lord, we just ask that your grace would be upon each one of us today. Father, we pray for every person in this place today. Single, pre-marriage relationship, married post-marriage. Father, we ask that wherever each person is at, you would speak to them. We ask that you would encourage them. We ask, Lord, that the challenges they're facing right now, you would intervene. And Father, we pray that the wisdom that comes forth would bring nuggets that would help release and help lead your people into holy 
Everyone say it, amen. amen. You know, uh, there is a scripture in 1 Timothy where Paul's writing to Timothy as a young man, and he's telling Timothy what to tell the young people in church, how to walk and live a pure life in an immoral society. We might think today's immoral, but if you look at what the lives were like in Ephesus and Corinthians, where we're actually the, the most debauched levels of sexual perversion were just the norm. And, and so in that society, Paul writes things like, amongst you there shouldn't even be a hint of sexual immorality and impurity. And he writes to Timothy and he says, here's how as unmarried brothers and sisters you treat each other. Treat younger men as brothers. So as opposed to potential husbands, right? Uh, treat older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with absolute purity. That Greek word is real blood brother, real blood sister, which means when I come to church, I'm constantly looking at how can I protect my sister? How can I build with them in a pure and a healthy way? That we don't come to church, feel like someone's hitting on me and it's all about, oh, check out the babes or, you know, what a hunk. We, we understand that God has got us in a place where we're a family building together and as brothers and sisters, walking in purity, we then build relationships with one another in a healthy way that God can then lead to premarital relationships. And so we are trusting that this church is going to be so full of young, single, potential people that are going to have those relationships, and each one of you is going to find the perfect person, right? That's why we need to grow to 10,000 people, which is our goal. And so when, when Paul writes this, into our society today, Paul also wrote to Timothy, and he said, in these last days, things are going to get worse. Well, we've got some surveys in terms of research that's been done, and if we can bring up that research slide, but of some of the surveys and research that was done, four out of ten Americans believe adultery is morally acceptable. South Africans don't, so we just didn't ask. No, I'm pretty sure it's about the same. We all watch the same movies. Christians, one out of ten. I'd like to know whether you know what church they go to, but one out of ten believe, no, it's okay to, to commit adultery. A third of married men cheat on their wives, and a quarter of married women cheat on their husbands. That doesn't mean just a third of the man cheats and the rest of them is, I mean, it's a third of marriages we're talking about. But more than 50% of marriages are impacted by one of the spouses being unfaithful. In fact, a third of all divorces are because of an affair. And so, pre-marriage relationships is what prepares us for a healthy marriage. And what we do before marriage helps create the foundations. Within marriage, people think, well, once I'm married, I won't face the same temptations. But you will. You will face the same stuff. And so we have a panel of people ranging from pre-marriage, married, very married, and me. And, and, and we are trusting that as we go through this, you're going to be able to catch some things that you won't learn from the world. And so I'm going to just start off, and, and I'm going to let the web start as we, we honor Daddy, Daddy Web and Mommy Web, Daddy David. But um, I'm going to let the web start and just share a little bit about, in your experience working with people, uh, the world doesn't seem to think that sexual purity is that important anymore. But why, why is it important, and why does God ask it of us, and, and why should we prioritize sexual purity? Well, I kind of learned this the hard way. Um, I, uh, I battled many years before I was a Christian um, with um, immoral relationships. And then God got a hold of my heart and um, 
began a process of changing my life so that um, I could more desire and want the things that he speaks in his word. So, um, so, he, so, so sexual purity before marriage is like the foundation for trust in a marriage. And um, when, you, when you do it the way the Lord has told us to do it, and he wrote the rule book for our lives, it's, it's the way that he can allow the blessings of God to come on us when we, when we do that. So I had to go through a season of really learning what is that, Lord, and, and to learn to love his ways and his uh, um, plan for, for sex in, in my life. And, and he did a lot of healing, and I, re- I repented, and I had um, accountable ladies that helped me to study his word and learn what the standard even was, and then to have faith for God to bring um, sex and marriage in a, in a different way and in a godly way. I also was, uh, had been immoral before uh, marriage, and uh, you know, it's amazing. You um, try to develop a theology of how, yeah, this, we're all cool and young, and it's all okay, and you know, we're good with each other, and relationships are easy, and no big deal, and you know, then you become a Christian, and you realize, ouch, but I've been offending God all these years, and, and then when you get serious about really wanting to be married, then you realize, ouch, I don't want, you know, all these, all those funny rules and theories I had, a, certainly don't, they certainly don't apply to my wife, you know, she's, <laughs> you know, I want, I want, uh, I want a relationship where, you know, we are, we are devoted to each other, where we are made up our minds, that we're for each other, that we are singularly for each other. Mm-hmm. I kind of mentioned this, I just had a revelation standing in the back of the room during worship. I was thinking of those, you know, the, the old wedding vows, um, the old Anglican wedding vows, um, and one of the things that they used to say, which they don't say much anymore, is, with my body, I be worshipped. And I thought of that, it just came to my mind. I thought, what does that even mean? I thought, worship. Well, when you worship, you're being, you're singly devoting yourself to that person. So um, in the old wedding vows, it used to be, with my body, I be worshipped. I, I set my body apart for you now, for the rest of my life. And uh, that's a godly perspective. That's what we're, we're doing when we get married. And uh, everything else that doesn't lead us to that moment uh, is uh, going to be a distraction, a mistake, a sin, uh, things we have to repent of. Uh, Got to be headed toward that place where we can say to someone, truthfully, I'm ready. With, the, with my body, I be worship. Wanted to share that. Yes, those good old vows. Amen. I love them. I love them. You know, um, when we talk about sexual purity, a lot of people in the world just think, well, you Christians, just your rules and regulations. But everywhere that the Bible teaches on this, particularly in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says, I'm not telling you this just to restrict you. I'm telling you this for your good, so that you may live life in a, in a great and a proper way. So every rule God gives us is for our good. It's not just, well, put rules on you so that you don't be naughty. Everything that God tells us to do is to build something healthier. And so when God tells, talks to us about sexual purity in and outside of marriage, it's because he knows that that's the best thing for us to have the healthiest marriages. And uh, so a lot of you aren't married. Uh, how many of you are not married and trusting to get married just to see? All right. Okay. About 3,000 here today. <laughs> Praise God. 
We we have Musa who works as a as a pastor with many 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 single people, hundreds of single students. And Musa, just some advice to the single men and women trusting God for a husband or a wife, and some of the processes that you would encourage and advise based on your experience. All right. So, um, in this area of searching or trusting God for a spouse or a mate, um, one thing um, we've been taught and have lived out is be what you want to attract. So focus on if if you're inwardly harboring your relationship with God, that's what you'll attract. You can't attract somebody who's passionate about God when you're not passionate about God. You will find what you're looking for in the spaces that you're in. So if you're a person who is in a space of pursuing God with people who are pursuing God, the chances are you're going to find somebody who's pursuing God. And um, living your life in a way that um, will attract that. So everything that you're doing is not, and you're not doing it so that you're attracted. You're just going about doing your life and you'll find that someone who's going to come alongside you who's passionate about the same thing because you're finding each other in the same spaces. So you don't have to go recruiting. It happens automatically. Um, All you're doing is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you just you're walking with God and as you're walking with God you'll realize that there are people who are walking in the same lane as you and then you don't have to do an audit process Beautiful. Yeah, that's good. Good, Martin sitting uh, very famous and about to become more and more famous as I see you more on TV and you know, the movies when are you doing your movie Martin <laughs> but you know Martin obviously as you get more and more exposure and as a leader and an author, someone who's in the limelight. But just some notes on how you as a man exposed, as a man who, you know, women like men in power and men who are, they do, don't they? They like men who are doing stuff and up front and most of you. But how do you keep your boundaries in your life? Just some of those ideas as a single man. Yeah, as I said in the first place, for me, the one thing that I really had to uh, address in my heart is that is the issue of worship in the sense that the Bible says that, you know, we must present our bodies as a living sacrifice, and that's your reasonable act of worship. It's not the ultimate, it's your reasonable. So, in other words, it's meant to be, entry, it's an entry point requirement that you present your body as a living sacrifice. So, for me, that's been the, the one question that I've had to answer. And also, at the same time, I've really thought about, you know, issues of consequences around the issue of sexual brokenness. You look at the first act, incestuous act in the Bible, which was between Lot and his daughter. Out of that came out a very, very bad nation, you know. Uh, I think it was the nation of Moab. And also you look at uh, when um, Abraham slept with uh, Haggai. What came out of that from a moment of convenience? You know, the consequences are still being felt to this very day. So one has had to remind himself essentially around issues of what's, what's the motive and also the issue of consequences and how I've dealt with the issue of, uh, you know, the, the boundaries. I think one of the things that we've, we addressed today is the issue of, you know, you know, think happy thoughts, you know, think the right thoughts. And it's true, you know, there's a psychological element to it. But I also think physiologically as well, there has to be clear boundaries uh, in the sense, you know, the Bible says free, flee from, you know, from youthful lusts. You look at Joseph. Joseph did not, you know, think happy thoughts in that space around Potiphar's <laughs> wife. He had to run away. Yeah. And he yeah. ran from, but, you know, for, I believe that for us as young people, we have to run from, but run into 
So yeah. for me, there, it's an issue of accountability Excellent. and community. You're allowed to give a hand to the people <laughs> of Francia. You're allowed to honor them. Like I said, it's, it's a scary place to be here facing all of you thousands of people. So, so you need to give the guys some encouragement. You know, these are good things coming forth. Um, I, I'm going to ask Samantha. Samantha's been on a very interesting journey and ministers to a lot of people. But a question that comes up often, paint a picture that you as a young single lady, Samantha waited many years and trusted God for many years. And Carol and I walked with her for a long time, trusting God that, that her husband would come along. But as a young single lady, uh, you love God, you've been praying and trusting God for a spouse. And very often it's, it's the men who are able to chase after and women kind of feel, well, when's a man going to chase after me? And some of that's changing. But, but how as a, as a young single lady do you respectfully and, and put, put yourself out there in a righteous way um, in order to, to find a husband? I don't know how you put yourself out there in a righteous way. <laughs> um, I think um, something that I believe is that um, if you look at the manual, the blueprint for how we're supposed to live, right? So it's the mind of the Father for us is the manual. And he says one woman and one man becoming one in marriage. So if that's the blueprint, we need to be concentrating not on pursuing somebody else, but on making ourselves a whole one. And um, I think if we make ourselves a whole one, then we are the whole one that we want to marry. Because so often we want a whole one, but we don't think that we need to necessarily be a whole one ourselves. So it's, so it's what we desire. So it's a bit of what Musa was saying earlier on. But um, in order to be that, I think that there's a, there is also a waiting part to it. And I think that often we get discouraged. We, we can't handle the delay. Um, we, you know, we, we get disappointed by these things, and, and those things all lead to a place of compromise, where we start to not be the, um, I'm valuable anymore, it's, it's, it's a case of, I now need to feel loved by somebody else to be valuable, so we're not a whole one anymore, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, it's not, I have a life, it's, I need this person to give me a life, yeah. so, there's, so there's a subtle difference there, and I, I think that in going about being a whole one, and trying to pursue being a whole one, um, you journey alongside other people, as Musa said, in being whole ones together. And it's in being whole ones together and doing godly pursuits together that you're pursuing God. You're not pursuing each other. So the common pursuit is God at the end of the day. It's not a pursuit of each other. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that's Alan and I met like that. We um, had been around the same circles for a really long time. But he, we actually met on a treasure hunt. We used to go evangelizing once a month in our Rosebank congregation and we went on a treasure hunt, and it was when we got back from evangelizing that um, we started doing the coffee thing, and the acquaintance <laughs> became a friendship, and then the friendship developed into, hmm, you know, there's, there's, something, hmm, there's something nice here. So, you know, um, so, that's, so that's where that's, but it started in that place of doing godly pursuits together. So it's in pursuing God, it's not in pursuing other people, yeah, I feel, that, that that happens. Excellent. You know, that, that is such a good point. And having counseled so many married people where people hit challenges, very often people get married thinking that the other person's going to now make up for their challenges. Or I'm not emotionally fulfilled, so I'm, my wife's going to emotionally fulfill me, or my husband's going to make me feel good. Truth of the matter is, that just leads to codependency. 
And so many marriages fail because we codependent on each other. And, and a marriage is never meant to be a codependent relationship. A marriage is meant to be just like God created Adam. We don't know how long Adam had no Eve. But God wanted to show Adam, you're not like the animals. I want you to know me first. I want me to be your source, me to be your identity, me to be your everything, you to worship me. And then when your wife comes along, you're whole. So a husband and a wife, really, like Samantha says, that's such an important point to not lose, is that we should be seeking God together, getting everything we can from God so that the two of us can be a team. They can put 10,000 to flight instead of a team who is now just, okay, you fulfill me, you heal me, you fix me. And then people get disappointed and mad in marriage because, well, I married the wrong person. You always marry the wrong person. Wow. (laughs) Shall I tell you why? (laughs) There's there's a marriage counselor in the U.S. who wrote a book called You Always Marry the Wrong Person. And he's not saying you actually did. But what he's saying is there will always be a point in your marriage, no matter how perfect they were when you got married, where you will a year or so later go, man, I think I married the wrong person. (laughs) Listen, it's not about marrying the right person. It's about being the right person. Amen. So God can make anything work when we submit it to him. uh, One of the things that is very common uh, in causing pitfalls is uh, what we call emotional affairs and people falling into... Uh, desiring one another or just an emotional friendship that develops. And I'm going to just ask the webs, you know, as a married couple, how do you keep some of your boundaries in relationships with the opposite sex? Uh, Some some guidelines, some wisdom. We have a lot of people here who are in workplaces where they're probably around members of the opposite sex more than they are with their husbands or wives. So some wisdom in terms of uh, how they should approach that with healthy boundaries. Well, I remember when constantly and so quite frequently it ended up being lunch and you know a couple coffees every week and um, you know and I wasn't I wasn't aware of anything funny going on there but uh, interesting my wife knew and she uh, she <laughs> and she said huh you went where for lunch you've never taken me there for lunch <laughs> and uh, you know she she clued me in that this didn't feel right look right seem right to her um, and, uh, and quite often you know we are ourselves we don't even know what we're you know what what road we're going down and what feelings we're having especially as guys frankly you know we don't we don't go over our emotions that much to try to be sure what we're feeling what we're thinking you know okay you know what's in good order here but it was so helpful by the way to be just completely honest because just hearing her say I'm uncomfortable uh, like she had the red flags first and then yeah. I had the red flags like oh is that is that weird oh okay so I need not to be doing lunch, you know. Uh, we, we, we can meet in the office, and we don't even need coffee, you know. We, you know, we can, whatever, meet in the kitchen at the church, and we can discuss what we need to discuss. And, um, but being honest with each other is important. Um, and by the way, if you're, it's so important to have close Christian friends yeah. of the same sex mm-hmm. as you That's that you right. can share with mm-hmm. when you start feeling those little twinges yeah, and those yeah. little funny things and, and thinking like getting those emotions. I can uh, remember one time describing what I thought was like fairly casual, you know, like, you know, this gal that I thought was really great and my Christian friend looked at me and said, don't ever, don't ever hang around her again. Don't ever talk. <laughs> and she, he was like, to him it was perfectly obvious that I was developing like a real fascination and that I was, you know, that this was out of line, that this wasn't right. 
thank God for great Christian friends yeah, that right. see things and will yeah, say them and will say them quickly. Good. Don't wait until it's some kind of a problem. I remember also when I was uh, young, before I was married, I remember um, a friend of mine coming up to me and talking about another girl in the church saying, so do you think you're going to marry her someday? And I thought, well, no, not at all. He said, because you act like you think you're going to marry her someday. Yeah, yeah. He said, I think it looks like you think you're going to marry her someday. Yeah. So she certainly thinks you think that you're going to marry her someday. <laughs> so, you know, there's a word for that. It's, it's defrauding. Yeah. It's leading somebody along with intentions that you don't have. And he says, she, he said, uh, this isn't right. You know, you need, you need to back off. Thank God for great Christian friends that aren't afraid to say things and to keep you, you know, help keep you on the path, help keep you from making the mistakes that you really don't want to make. And I think guys are more inclined to make mistakes just out of just sheer, like, not thinking about it. <laughs> you know, you just kind of wander into ah, some friendly, cozy relationship when you're married and when you're single. That that you don't have any intentions about. You're not thinking or meaning anything by it. It just feels good and you go that way. And so really make sure you have those kind of friends that you share every little thing with good. in regards to your emotions so that there's somebody checking on you and checking you know, where you're thinking and how you got where you are. Yeah, I also think another good thing to keep uh, good boundaries is not to have secrets yeah. um, between yeah. us. Not. Uh, just that I would hold or that he would just hold, but that, that we, we share things. Mm -hmm. I met with so-and-so today. I plan to go this place today. I'm, you know, yeah. my work is going to take me this place. Um, just to not keep secrets. I also know that as a, as a woman, I can read women better. And like a man, can usually read men better. And it's amazing how much you can see in someone when they interact with your husband and <laughs> and so I I it I'm I just will talk to him about it and I'm not comfortable with this or why are you doing things with her and you know ask different questions that you know I mean I can ask as a wife and he can ask as a husband you know because we're we're for each other meant for each other but sometimes there's those little boundaries get a little blurry. Um, I also know that with um, it's very easy for me to talk to men, okay? I like sports. I like adventure. Right, right. I kind of like those kind of things, so it's easy for me to go there and, and talk with men. But I've had to learn because I used to use it for evil things when I wasn't a Christian. And for my own gain, I thought. It wasn't gain at all. But... Um, and, and I've had to learn to cultivate relationships yeah. with sisters, with women, good, good. that I have to really intentionally go that way. It used to be that it's much easier for me to talk to men, and I've been hurt a lot by other women. So it's kind of uh, not something I'm used to. But I know that the Lord has challenged me as a woman to get to know yeah. women and build friendships intentionally with women because... Um, because that's the right thing for me to do. And there's a lot of encouragement and, and um, fun things I can learn by, by relating to women. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I've, I've purposed that. Now my sons are getting married. Yeah. Who do I get to relate to more? The wife, the new daughter. She's my daughter. I need to build a relationship and a strong one Good. with her. Good. Good. Yeah, awesome, excellent. Yeah, I think you. Wow.
honor them. You know, uh, something Caroline said that is, that is such an important thing is boundaries get blurry. Boundaries actually in relationships, it's not like I choose one day to cross the line. I, mm -hmm. I preached a message a few years back called inch by inch compromises a cinch. But, you know, compromise happens little by little. I give a little bit of ground and then it feels okay. A little bit more ground, it feels okay. And one day you wake up and you realize, man, I've walked seven kilometers from where I should have. Or seven meters or seven inches, it doesn't matter. But the truth of the matter is that most sexual sin does not start sexually. Most of it doesn't start physically. Most of it starts as just a friendship, getting more intimate, becoming emotional. And, and I'm going to ask Musa and Martin as well to comment just on how this impacts in single relationships as well. But it's a very important thing to understand is that most of these things start in the heart. doesn't start in the body. Wow. So maybe you guys want to comment. Musa, ladies first. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I have found this uh, particular area exceptionally challenging. Uh, just because, also similarly to Caroline, I um, had very close friends who were males. Um, and there didn't seem to be anything wrong with the relationship at face value. If you're relating, you're really close, best friend, um, until somebody has to now get into a courtship relationship. So maybe the male now has found someone, and then you found that you're occupying actually a space that didn't belong to you. Because now a shift has to happen. You're like, why does this shift have to happen? It means I wasn't supposed to be in the space in the first place. Um, so that, 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 that then showed or exposed the fact that, you know, intimacy goes beyond what's physical. Intimacy is emotional. It's exclusive. It's many different things. So if there is a person that I'm confiding in, that I'm giving exclusive information to, that's intimacy. Uh, and if it hasn't been defined that way, then you're crossing a boundary. So if, I, if we haven't expressed that we are courting, this is our intention and people know it, but we have that those interactions, those transactions that are so, you're crossing boundaries. So that is, I think it's even more blurry as a single person because mm. you can't see it, yeah. uh, but it gets exposed um, in different ways. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think one of the, the biggest mistakes we often make is that we try to, to deal with behavior uh, without really dealing with the heart at times. And I think that we have to come to a place where we we'll cultivate, you know, um, the issue of self-awareness, not necessarily introspection, but self-awareness, in terms of why do I want this type of relationship? You know, I think that's one of the, the things that I've had to ask myself, you know. Why am I looking to call such and such a lady at such and such a time? You know, I think those are, are questions that we, we definitely have to, to ask ourselves. And I think also, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been looking at how, you know, First Corinthians 13 is written not necessarily to you know, to a couple. It's written to a body of believers. Mm -hmm. So not necessarily as, you know, what C.S. Lewis talks about, you know, not necessarily being in love, but loving someone. Yeah. You know, so I think it's very important for, for me as a brother as well to protect my sisters. Good. You know, not necessarily, I think one of the things that I've seen for me as men is that, for me as a man, it's easy to protect a lady from everyone else but myself. <laughs> Good, you know, I think that's, that's the thing that I have to do. So, I have to move from what, you know, they call the eros of love, whatever, and actually go to 1 Corinthians 13, where it's an action, and I'm able to protect this person from myself. Good. Wow. Oh, that's an excellent point. Yes. Pastor Sam, you want to add anything there? Um, I think this, there's three words that, that we should be looking to be to other people. Um, and Martin touched on it 
the, the three words I think are being lovers, being a listener, and being a learner. And I think that if, Lovely. You, are, if you are a lover, if you are a lover, then you are constantly putting other people before yourself because that's what love does. <laughs> love is not self-seeking. So you're constantly putting other people before yourself and all that love entails. If you are a listener, you are constantly listening to Father God first and foremost, but to other people around about you. That's one of the beauties of being in a courtship. A courtship has got a court around about it, a, wow. a board of witnesses that are there to tell you wow. when you are overstepping boundaries. So Good. having people in your court is also important. And to listen to them and to listen to the Father. Um, and I think also just in learning, it goes back to that being a whole one, is learning who you are. You know, learning what makes you tick, learning what doesn't, learning what makes you angry, learning what makes you happy, so that when you're in that situation, um, it's easier to, to recognize when things are, when there is a boundary that's, that's being crossed. Good. And if you're getting all of what you need from the Father, if you're getting all of your emotional stuff that you need from the Father, you won't be looking to get it from somebody else. Yeah. So the minute that you think, I need to see somebody, because when I see that person, it makes me feel better, well, what's Daddy God doing then? Yeah, should he yeah. not be the one that's doing that first? Absolutely. Or if I'm, you know, are you having fun with Daddy God as much as you have fun with X, Y, Z person? So mm -hmm. I think that's where the boundaries also become blurry. Good, Good sir. Good. You know, uh, one of the very common ways of falling into not knowing is texting. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of these relationships, they go somewhere, just start with texting, yeah. and the texts become more and more intimate, more and more information. And let me just tell you, if you're in a corporation where a married person starts talking to you about their marriage, you, you're already in trouble. Because that means that their marriage is in trouble and they're looking elsewhere for emotional fulfillment. And, and you need to direct them back to their marriage. Uh, don't fall into that trap. Um, we were talking earlier, after first service, I had a number of single, young single adults come up to me and say, so how do we get to know men and women without developing the wrong emotions. And the truth is, you have to do it in groups. You know, we encourage young adults, start have group young adults meetings. We have young adults meetings, gatherings, etc. But young adults, yeah, I want to encourage you, start formalizing meetings. Meet last Friday of every month, whatever. But young adults meeting together, doing stuff together. When you're in a group, you can ask questions that you couldn't ask when you're just sitting facing the person in a restaurant. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't get awkward. And most of the relationships that form healthily are in groups. Yeah. Serving together, get serving in a group in the church. But serving together, doing stuff together. And we encourage young adults gatherings and young adults groups where, where you can feel secure in that group. And God does it out of there. Um, I, I think that a very common question that does arise, particularly in the church, is what about entering into a relationship with an unbeliever? Particularly, can I marry an unbeliever? You know, and... And I think there's a lot of wisdom out there, and I'm, I'm going to throw it out to Musa first to, to say something as a single person. What, what about, I mean, you, you counsel hundreds and hundreds of students who are surrounded by thousands and thousands of unbelievers, and uh, give us some wisdom there. Sure. On campus, um, students um, like recruiting people from outside and uh, bring them into the church and try and make them go through Victory Weekend by force and go through all the, you know, because... You know full well that this person is not submitted, but you like them. Um, and so the scripture says, do not be unequally yoked with those who are not believers. 
And it just takes me back to what is the purpose of marriage? It's still to glorify God. It's to both of you be doing God's will. So now you've gone to take someone who's not interested in God's will and you're going to get married. But that purpose of marriage is for you guys to come together and be doing God's will together. So what are you, what are you hoping to do? Um, so the answer is no. We can't get into relationships <laughs> with those who are not believers. Um, and then also just what, like, what Martin was saying, being aware that you want something for your own desire. It's no longer for what God actually intended it to be. And a lot of times we can solve it by just being honest with what's in your heart, that you're attracted to someone who's not a believer, and that's okay. We can be accountable and walk together in it, um, but not to do something that will be inevitably a disaster because the purpose for this thing is for us to pursue God together. So if somebody's not submitted to God, you can't make them. We can't make people submit to God. God is the one who does that. We can't stand before God on somebody else's behalf. You can't do that. And sometimes we want to do that. Um, And that's something that you can avoid before you get into marriage because you're both supposed to be coming before God together and building as a team. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. You know, a lot of young people talk about fulfilling my destiny. But the truth is, maybe 75% of your life is going to be lived with a marriage partner. And, And marriage is always to fulfill your destiny together. So even as a single person, you've got to start thinking and acknowledging my destiny is intricately, intricately linked to the person I marry. Yeah. And marriage is about having the same values so we can fulfill the same destiny that God has in our lives. And where you don't have the same values, we have just seen the most incredible pain and problems arise. Martin, do you want to add anything there, bro? Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. So for me, as I said, was it's more a case of, I think, we need to cultivate hearts that find godliness attractive. I think the yeah, most beautiful yeah. thing about a person should be their love relationship with Christ. So for me, another aspect that I really am a bit afraid of is being actually unequally yoked with a believer. You know, someone who doesn't have a heart for Good God, who doesn't have a heart for the things of God, you know. So I, I also think that's also something right, to, to ponder on. Just because someone says they're a Christian and go to church doesn't mean they hold the same spiritual values. And yeah, that's a very good point, bro. Uh, any other comments from the team on, on Unbelievers Webs? You want to throw something in there? Sorry. Just, just that it's, a, it's an easy trap, one which I fell into so many times when I was first a Christian because I, I could barely see the difference. I just wasn't. You know, I just didn't have the wisdom of God, and I just hadn't really had the revelation that, you know, this really wasn't going to work. So I, as a young Christian, just continued to, you know, date anyone that just seemed right at the moment. And it uh, took me a while to, <clears throat> to figure it out, to figure it out that actually um, we could never, like, look into each other's eyes as equals and talk about the things that were most important to us, that we would never share the most intimate part of our souls, that we would actually be lonely our whole life. And that really was confirmed later after we became pastors and sometimes we'd have the chance to to counsel people who had married somebody who was a Christian who would marry a non-Christian and we would see invariably there was a theme of loneliness, that there was a place, their deepest soul that they were going to have to live alone because they were not going to share their deepest place with that person. Great point. Great point. So, can I just... Yes, yes, you may, you may. <laughs> I think one of the, another thing that really one can look into is the issue of when someone wants to enter into an unequally yoked relationship, 
one of the first signs is usually isolation. So someone will isolate themselves from community. They'll even hide the fact that they are seeing someone. So I think that's one of the biggest traps that, you know, uh, one can fall into Good if, you know, you're not in a, in a relationship that holds you accountable. I also think that, sorry, my two Christine was talking to me. Um, what was I going to say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, that was what it was. Sometimes we get this mindset that when, after we get married, everything will be okay. Everything will sort itself out. You know, we'll kind of get into this routine if you're unequally yoked. It doesn't, I think it just gets worse. My experience with counseling people is that it gets worse because now you're in each other's face 24-7 as well as being unequally yoked. So there's all sorts of other things to sort out as well. And the longevity of it becomes more realistic because now it's not just you and this other person. It's the two families that are involved and how unequally yoked are they in terms of where you're at, um, as well as your children. Are, is one of you going to go to church with them and the other one stay at home? Or one of you do this, one of you do that? And then what, what is that um, kind of portraying to the yeah, grandchildren? So it's a generational thing. It's not ah, just absolutely. the unequally yoked, but isn't just because you two are now unequally yoked. The, the longevity of it could potentially be huge. So I think it's very important not to be. Excellent, excellent. Well, I know that a very common question, and we, we might wrap up with this. A lot of people who are in a pre-marriage relationship, you know, before you get into that, a lot of people find it okay to hold themselves, control themselves. But in the world today, you know what happens? And I know I dated around 42 girls before I got married. But, you know, in the world, the moment you say to someone, will you go out with me? Will you date me? And they say, yes, it's like suddenly all the boundaries are gone. And usually the, the fact that she says yes ends up in deep kissing and, you know, now you're, now you're dating, you know. That's just how the world does it. And so a lot of Christians ask, well, in order to avoid those traps, how far can I go if I'm in a relationship? We also find that a lot of people in a pre-marriage relationship will be more accountable and have higher boundaries. But when they get engaged and they go, okay, now it's really official or the boiler has been paid, now we can do whatever we want. But just some, some wisdom in terms of the, the health of a marriage based on how much you control yourself prior to marriage and, and how far can you go in terms of how that will impact you. And maybe the webs, you can start with that. Well, because we came from an immoral past and spent many years, the Lord cleaning us up and really restoring our innocence and purity, you know, by, by really seeking him first. We were very cautious <laughs> once we were engaged, well, even before we were engaged, but when we were engaged, to make stricter boundaries, not lessen the boundaries, yeah, but yes. to actually make them stronger. Because there's already a chemistry, a connection, a passion. And um, for us, it was a familiar trap. It's a familiar, a pat had been a pattern in our life. And we had broken it, so we had to make even stronger boundaries. But I want you to talk about the rest. Well, <laughs> I want to say as I say this, that we're not saying, therefore, this is how everybody should do it, because, because it absolutely worked for us. But, you know, because we because of our pasts, because we, we didn't want to mess up the most important relationship of our lives, like we'd messed up so many others, like we'd hurt so many others, like we'd been hurt by so many others. We said, Lord, help us do this one right. 
So we just chose that, you know, so you know what? I can remember one time, I don't know if I've ever even told you this, I remember one time coming up to you like shortly after we were engaged and just like walking up to you and I got so close like our bodies were touching and I was like, <gasps> I, just <had> to, <laughs> I just had to turn around and walk away and I thought, okay, too close, too close. But we just said, you know what, um, we're just going to, we're just, you know, we're excited about getting married, we're excited about each other, we're not, we don't need to test that theory, you yeah. know, we just... You know, we can afford to wait a little while longer. And uh, so we chose not to hold hands. We chose not to kiss. Uh, I want you to know I know couples who have uh, been extremely pure, especially, yeah. and who, like, are almost, uh, like, afraid of physical things and nervous about physical things. And, and I understand there's, for some couples, they can actually, like, contain that, and it's fine, and, and they're getting used to knowing each other. But for us, that was not going to work. Like, we were like tinder box boxes waiting to go, you know, just ex explode any moment. So those were the boundaries we set. And I just want to say, the night before we got married, uh, we were on our way to a dinner. And going into the building, I remember grabbing Caroline's hand for the first time. And just like electricity just goes through my body, you know. I'm, you know, I missed nothing by not, you know, having months of, like, yeah. holding her hand. Good. You know, God... God, God added everything, and everything that I wanted, you know, came from uh, after we were married. And at the altar, uh, when we kissed, you know, that was a kiss for the ages. I'll never yep. forget. <laughs> I, will, I will never forget that kiss. I, I've never once thought about the months I didn't kiss her. Yeah. But I think all the time about that kiss yeah. when the, after the preacher said, you know, I now pronounce you man and wife, you may kiss wow. your bride. Wow. Uh, that was a spectacular <laughs> kiss yeah. and well worth waiting for. And so I just, just wanted to share that, you know, uh, taking a chance by waiting on any, any physical things is, is it's never a mistake. <laughs> you know, it, it just, that's it good. always is going to work to your benefit. So that's a, that was our experience. Good, good. Brother Mark. I've just learned something I could not say. <laughs> I miss nothing by waiting. Yeah, no, I love that. <laughs> Um, yeah. Lindy was sharing with us the other day, we were chatting about the scripture, um, not let there, let there not be a hint of any sexual immorality among you. And she used this analogy. She was like, if you're allergic to nuts, how, how, much, how much of nuts can you take? Yeah. And she says, you even pay so much attention, you look for ingredients that say not even tra traces. And, wow, and, and like, we, we also lose nothing by not putting the standard as high as possible mm. because the higher the standard, God actually gives more grace. Yeah. Um, so it is possible. It's not rules, but it's, um, it attracts God's blessing and more favor. The more we, we seek out to do that, which we cannot do in our own strength, yeah. but then we need more of God to fill it up and God's faithful to do that. Yeah. Amen. Uh, Amen. in the first service, you just shared something great on Song of Solomon. Would you share that again? Okay, the scripture, Songs of Solomon 2, verse 7, it says, uh, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not awaken love until it so desires. And it basically speaks to the initiating process that we sometimes do. Like, okay, I was speaking from a female's perspective that we have the power to um, get certain reactions out of guys without being overt, without being unchristian. But you can, within those boundaries, to still lure attention, lure attention attract attention to yourself, to make yourself known, to make it visible that, you know, there's something attractive about you. And you know when you're doing it, right? But this scripture, um, 
like it just raises the standard where God's like, don't do that. Even in your heart, don't do that. You know, don't do extra things. Let me be the one who brings them to you. Do not do it in your own strength because once you start the process, you have to sustain it. And do you really want to be the one sustaining your marriage forever with these tricks? Nobody wants to live like that. You want to be at peace. You want to be at rest. You want to know that you're loved for who you are, not for the things that you have to work hard to do. One of the biggest things that we need to learn is rules and regulations generally make us rebel. Mm. And it's only revelation that enables us to, <laughs> to actually not. Well, and mm. to, be, Radical. to be in that place of being able to stick to what it is that we've said. It's, it's, a, it's when we've had that revelation from God. And um, Alan and I've got Alan's permission to share this with regards to boundaries. But we, um, I had a very sordid past before I knew Jesus. And then... Um, remained mostly good for 20-something years. My husband, um, when we got married, I was younger than him, but he, he was almost 50 and had not um, had any kind of sexual intimacy whatsoever with anybody. So yeah. he was almost a 50-year-old virgin when we got married. And we had to be um, careful with our boundaries for very different reasons. He I had to because I knew about stuff. So in my history, that was what was in my history. And he had to because he hadn't. And um, so yeah. we also, we decided we weren't going to do anything but hold hands yeah. until, until we got married. And the first kiss that we had was um, remembering the advice from Andrew, which was one head must go this way. Right. And one head must go this <laughs> way right. at the altar the day that we got married. You and can come to my kissing training course <laughs> when you're ready for marriage. And the frightening thing is that it was actually me, like a month before we got married, it was actually me who tried to kind of blur the boundary a bit because I, kind of, I said to Alan when I we were actually, we were walking, we had gone down to Mossel Bay and we were walking on the farm and I said to him, babe, do you not think that we should at least kiss? Do you not think that we should like just kiss once before, you know, our wedding day so that it's not awkward and weird and crazy and like what if I put my head the same way as you and, you know, then it's, you know, all these sorts of things. And I want to just say this to us that, God intended one man and one woman to become one. Yeah. Um, we don't need to test drive to see Come whether on. we fit together and whether we're compatible. On. You were made by God to fit together, a man and a woman. That's how you were made. And I heard someone say this the other day, that if you want to test drive, you yourself are becoming your own secondhand car salesman. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, <laughs> so not only are you buying secondhand cars, but you yourself are becoming your own secondhand car salesman. And it just, it, ma- it made us, you know, kind of just be really strict with our boundaries. And, um, you know, I shared earlier that even in, uh, Ellen and I went to go and see a movie after we were engaged. We went to go and see a movie and we sat in a couple seat. You know, you get those couple seats. Now, don't go there. But, um, but I can remember, I don't remember what the movie was. Because all I can remember was sitting next to this man who I knew in a few months' time I was going to marry. And my mind was not on the movie. You know, it was already going elsewhere. And it's just, those, those boundaries are so important. So I'm so thankful, first of all, to God, because he enables us. He gives us the grace to be able to do Amen. that. And secondly, to my husband, who just stuck by his guns, and he was just like, yeah. you well know, done, when we get married, yes, then, you know, so. Awesome. Awesome. You know, here's something that's been proven by both secular and Christian marriage counselors is that the trust and self-control in a marriage is strongly determined by the physical relationship before marriage. And so 
you know, some people think, well, you know, it's just all we love each other and we love each other so much, so it must be okay. The truth is, just like you guys said, the most wonderful thing is you can be married for 75% of your life. You can be married for years and years and years. But why can't you control yourself for just those few months or a year before you married? And in fact, by controlling yourself, the higher the boundaries before marriage, what you are speaking is, you can trust me because I can control myself. And secondly, what you're saying is, I want to keep what God intended for marriage in the marriage. And a lot of people think, your first kiss on your wedding day, that is just radical. Well, do you know that there's three couples right here within a few meters of each other who all did that? We did that. Our first kiss was on our wedding day. Now, to me, that sounded very radical. But we started to realize, so I can kiss my wife as much as I like when I'm married. But when it says, don't awaken, whatever you do physically that awakens and stirs desire, you know, the physical is meant, part of foreplay, to end insects. And, and just like fire is great in a fireplace, electricity is great when it's going through the wires. You take it out of that place where it's good, and it'll kill you. And, and it's the same way. If we try to take too much sexually or physically outside of marriage, what you end up doing is actually harming yourself and harming your marriage. Now, if you have done that and if you've fallen, we're going to trust God that He's going to heal you. We're going to trust God to restore. And you can actually, we've seen this many times, people who've had a very sexual past coming into marriage as if they're virgins. God just heals, restores. And so I know we could have talked for hours on many topics. The team will stay here. If you have questions, you can come up and ask. But I want to also give an invitation that if you have been hurt relationally, if you have, you know, you know you've blown it in some ways and you have fallen in these areas and you want God to restore you, we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you if there's distrust, if there's pain. We want to trust that every one of you here can be restored so that you can have the healthiest relationship possible. Amen. And so I know there's much more we could have said. Can we just give our panel a great hand of thanks? Thank you, guys. Why don't you just stand together as we close in prayer? Dad, thank you that you're a good dad. You give your children only what is good. And your instructions are only for our good because you made us and you know the instruction manual. And Father, I pray for a grace to come upon every single one of us in this place today. A grace to do it your way. A grace, Father, to turn ourselves away from the culture, our upbringing, what seems to be the norm, and to say, Jesus, I want to do it like you. And Father, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would come upon each of us in a powerful way to heal the past. Where, where relationships have hurt, where there's been a falling, where there's been a giving and a one flesh formed outside of marriage. We pray right now that you would destroy and cut that off, that you would release each person here from past relationships, past issues, past mistakes, that today, Father, you cleanse them, restore them, that they can be whole in their relationships going forward. We pray, Father, that you would give a grace to every single person here, to trust you, show them, lead them, give them wisdom, give them the ability to trust in you and make you their source during this time. And so, Lord, we bless each person here. We bless those who are listening to this podcast, that you would do the same in their hearts, that, Father, this would be a, a radical approach to the destiny on their lives to know that you have called them to purity so that they can change the world as a couple and put 10,000 to flight where only one can put a thousand to flight.
And Lord, I want to pray right now for anyone here that is single and who wants to get married. Lord God, I just pray and ask, Father God, that you would give them a heart of courage to wait, Lord God. At the same time, I ask that you would bring the right people, the right person to them, Lord God. Father God, we just declare anyone who's grown hopeless or tired in believing, we just speak to those hearts and say, believe again, for your God is a good father and he has a good plan for you. And right now, we, we speak those spouses into being. We say, come and find your marriage partner. Lord God, we just prophesy marriages for everyone who wants to be married. And marriage the right way in Jesus' name. For those who have been broken or disappointed by past relationships, we speak again to your hearts. Believe again. For your God is good and he will make a way for you. He will make a way for you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen, amen and Amen.